Just leave it right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just just piss me off and post. That's how that's how it goes, baby. Um, Have you ever wanted to record a podcast just to piss off your editor? Well, now you can. You can say um. You can say but. You can say but um, and then you can go on for fucking three hours about I don't know duck pussy. Anchor makes that possible. Have you ever wanted to watch a movie about fucking a car? <laughs> <laughs> Do I have the movie for you? It's called Titan or The Counselor. Have know. you ever wanted to make a podcast <laughs> about movies in which people fuck cars? Well, now you can. Music <laughs> anchor. <laughs> I can think of a couple. There's The Counselor. There's, yeah, Christine, there's probably some car fucking. Um, it's in the director's cut. What's the one by David Cronenberg? Uh, Crash. Um... Are you a sack of shit with only two brain cells to rub together and you have nothing but bad takes about women and life? This is what we call a future podcaster. (laughs) It's Shirtless Sunday in the Mind Games house and we are advertising Anchor, Anchor, Anchor. Everybody dance now. Download the Anchor app or go to (laughs) anchor.fm to get started. What if for the cold open we just use this? <laughs> this might it's just us trying to get the app, the, the the ad off the ground. Have you ever thought to yourself, I should make a podcast where I offer to buy homeless people a meal in exchange for them telling me the darkest parts of their lives? <laughs> well, now you can download Anchor now so that you can get started. It's free to use. It's, it's easy to use. Just like the homeless people you're using for content. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. (laughs) Oh, this is never going to work. No, this is bad. (laughs) Like, we need to write something. Watching a movie with subtitles alone, I will look at my phone more than I what should. What is this one? Yeah. Titan. What is that? I don't. John's seen it. Okay. It's it's like it's like a body horror kind of thing, right? Kinda. Yeah. Hmm. It's about a serial killer lady who fucks cars. It's right up our alley. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it rocks. Yeah. It sounds amazing. Sounds cool. Um. And, but but then she gets pregnant. That's the thing. She oh, wow. starts exhibiting signs of pregnancy, and she hasn't slept with any man. Are you serious? So, yeah, that's the that's the thing that drives it all forward. And she has to <laughs> go into hiding, and oh, that's when the movie really starts. Yeah. Shit. Oh, that I we I got it. All yeah, right. it sounds really cool. that. Yeah. How Fuck. are the levels looking? Um. Okay. So, can you talk real quick? Check. 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 Hello, hello, hello. Okay, which one are you on? I don't know. Oh, cool. I um, saw, you know, I guess I knew that. Which, which one well, no, I didn't know that she fucked a car. But I did see somebody post a list on Letterboxd that was like, the list was titled like, whoa, did she really just fuck that? And it had like, yeah, you, did, yeah, you saw that? Yeah. I haven't seen anything about this, yeah. <coughs> it was like Titan. Um, oh, excuse God. me. The counselor was on it. Um, oh, yeah. Another car fucker. Yeah. <laughs> 
Titan. That movie is. A, I think that movie gets a really bad rap. I like that movie a lot. Which one? Uh, the Counselor. I haven't seen that. Oh, it's like it's it. good. I mean, it's you know McCarthy like wrote the screenplay. Hurry. Yeah. Um, Hyper dark, obviously, though. Uh, I yeah, I've always been curious about it. I know that I know that it kind of has a, a bad reputation, but something that the websites do is they create right. dog piles. Yeah. Which, you know, after a while, you kind of start to wonder if people have been pre-programmed into liking or disliking things. I think you know, that's what totally happened with the counselor. I, it's a good it movie. It's worth watching. Yeah. I, well, I'll check it out. I'm going to put that on my watch list. So. All right, fellas. It's about a camp counselor, right? <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, no. It's, right. That would be. It could, I mean, Cormac McCarthy. Yo, Cormac McCarthy movie about Boys Town. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Yeah, that would be a bad time. All right, we are rolling. We're rolling. Yeah. We're rolling. Yeah. Everything Woo-hoo. sounds all right, um, and I think that's the best we can ask for. Okay, <clears throat> and we're rolling and recording. We're right? rolling, and recording. Oh, fuck yeah! And um, oh fuck yeah! I, all right. I, I think my near panic attack is uh, subsiding. So beautiful. What you drinking, John? Uh, I have some uh, water here. And I got a little tempered wine right here. Mm, what so, is tempered wine? Yeah, I was going to ask. Watered down. Oh, okay. There we go. I don't really like the taste of wine. Okay. All that much. Um, like the antioxidant. And I've actually never done this before, but how I wanted to drink a little bit. It's it's just red wine. Uh, no, like how is it with the with being watered down? Is it better? I like it better. It's not as ashy, you know. <laughs> Irina swears by that. Really? Yeah. Is it a European thing? Uh, it's for her. I think it's a calorie thing. Huh. Also, it's a. Mm, I can enjoy this tasty beverage while also not like waking up with a headache the next morning. Right. So yeah, you get Smart. you get your water and you get your wine. Right on. Smart. It's like a half Jesus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Cool. Well, um, I'm gonna. Where's my phone at? I like the the little the quote. Probably some big chess legend quote. Okay, so that quote is by uh, Bob Vinick. Yeah. Who is... uh, He started this kind of... It's not like a school, like an actual physical location for a school, but he started what's called the Soviet School of Chess, Mm -hmm. which is basically a paradigm for preparation, training, you know, all that stuff. He's a huge reason why the Soviet Union was so dominant for years decades he trained all of the he trained all of the world champs and was one who who is this this is Bobvinick, who has the quote in our uh in our uh, simultaneous room uh once you click the link it should take you in there okay let me read this really quick i'm going to read it for the audience above all else before playing in competitions a player must have regard for his health to his health for if he is suffering from ill health, he cannot hope for success. In this connection, the best of all tonics is 15 to 20 days in the fresh air in the country. That's a sick, that's a great that quote. A good quote. Yeah, he left out that you're supposed to do a lot of quaaludes too. Though. <laughs> <laughs> well, good thing uh, I have some in my stash. Otherwise, thank God. Yeah, we would be set to lose. Cade, yeah. um, were you listening to a chess podcast? I was. That's awesome. I had no idea what the fuck they were talking about. But. We should, 
we should become a chess podcast. It all sounds like jibber jabber. It all sounds crazy. When I was going to tournaments and I was trying to listen in on stronger players talk, it's, it just sounds like pure jargon. What do I, I do? Um, I think you just click. I'm, I'm in. I'm in the Thunderdome. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Um, let me look here. Do we have to start a game or how? Wait, let's. Okay, before we, I see. I, I, I just want to get the tech, okay. tech issues solved before. Okay. And then, so no, it's us three. Kate, I don't think you're still in. Yeah, for some reason, I'm. Am I watching you play? No, you're playing no. against someone named Olimar. Hang on, hang on. I see you, Alex. I, I feel like this is like the equivalent of trying to help your grandparents get into Facebook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why this is so difficult for us. I do apologize, John. Thank you for your patience. I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what happens when you're all in here anyway. Right. I don't know. I'm not exactly okay. sure how to uh, actually start. Okay, so accept random oh, oh, there candidate. You go. There you go. There you go. Okay. okay. I think we're good because I see yeah, Junkyard I see. Algebra and okay. Craig and Mr. Cheese Pills. Okay, and now it's giving me a start button. So well, um, Let's hold off because I want to, we should introduce everybody. Off. Oh okay. Jesus! You gotta give some warning. Yeah, man. no, loud. No, that's for all the times you like belched or screamed into the microphone. You're welcome. <laughs> all right, friends, family, welcome to Mind Games, your most intellectually stimulating podcast about games, both digital and non-digital. Because today we are talking about our first game that's not only playable on computers uh that's gonna be chess and we're joined by our dear friend john boy john boy how are you doing hello hello good to be here welcome to the bog (laughs) (laughs) um so we'll uh quickly introduce ourselves and then we'll let john kind of introduce himself as a credentialed chess guy um for the listener just so that you know John is wearing a, a wonderful floral shirt and a very cool hat with a skull and crossbones on it. If you need to picture what's going on, kid's making a face at me. Anyways, Just trying not to throw up. Uh, on you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I am CJ, your co-host. I'm Alex, uh, the person that never gets the episodes done on time. <laughs> and I'm Cade. Just Cade. There we go. Yeah, John. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, your chess career? How, yeah, however you want to frame it. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't start playing chess until I was in my early 20s. I read a novel called The Yiddish Policeman's Union. Uh, chess was a huge motif. I barely even knew how to play. I just kind of figured I was 20 years old. I should learn how to play. Mm-hmm. Learned how to play. Immediately loved it. Was doing pickup games in coffee shops. Uh, kind of was just stayed bad, like stayed really <laughs> clueless for like two years thinking I was good. Nice. And then I spontaneously met people who were actually really good and actually studied and trained and gave lessons and traveled to tournaments just throughout the region. And I started taking lessons and I started reading books and I started uh, trying to get good and I think my, I had just celebrated my 10 year anniversary of my first tournament. Nice. So, and it was a long, long, long time to get to my current rating of 1685, which in the, in the grand galaxy of chess really isn't even that good, but, <laughs> but I mean, like 
as we've been like preparing to do this episode, I've been thinking about chess more than usual, obviously, right? And I, I kind of like tell me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like there is a component of chess that's kind of similar to like golf, where like as much as you're playing against other people and you are, you're also very much playing against yourself. Yeah, totally. And you know, uh, there's times when I'm playing and. You know, someone will look at me and a similarly ranked opponent playing and, you know, they'll think that we're grandmasters or something. And it's like, no, but then, <laughs> but then there's, you know, I just said that I'm really not that good, but you know, I'm at a national master. He's like, oh, I suck, <laughs> you know? Huh, okay. So it's, so it's just steep, steep, steep. It's a steep climb upwards and nobody, nobody really thinks that they're good <laughs> if they actually are good and if they actually are improving. You know, right, it's sure. just it's just a hard thing. But um, I mean, I watching that Bobby Fisher documentary that we'll probably talk about in a bit. He mm. thought he was good, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> he was he was pretty good. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to <laughs> yeah. agree with him. <laughs> but um, but yeah, you really do have to pull. Yeah. I mean, you. it just takes a lot of discipline to get good. So you do kind of play against yourself in terms of your bad habits and your bad thinking and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you really have to be disciplined and Zen yeah, in order to perform well at a tournament, because I mean, I'm sure, you know, just to take it back to the golf metaphor, I mean, you see it on TV every now and then people will throw clubs and have tantrums and stuff. It's like mm-hmm. the person's not going to be able to do well. Exactly. You know? They're just not, I mean, they, they're just in their own heads. Yeah, you got to uh, be able to take a loss. Yeah, I mean, it's so you got to be really detached. You know, there's a lot of ego in chess, just like there's a lot of ego in golf. Sure. You know, but they're grueling, grueling tournaments. So, on that note, before we get too into talking about our, our game this week, John is going to play uh, all three of us at once <laughs> on a game of chess. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and uh, do that. I'm I'm gonna try to provide yeah, some commentary on my game. I'm gonna screen record it for posterity. There we go. This may not be bad content. It may not be good content. It may not make it into the episode. But I would encourage all of you. Although John probably can't comment on three games at once, can you? I probably I don't know. Well, we'll see. We'll see. All right. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm gonna do. Okay. I'm gonna do a French Open. Okay. I'm going to hit start. I didn't see. I didn't even see that shit. God damn Isn't it! Isn't that nice? <laughs> I hate this game. Isn't that nice. I hate this fucking game so much. Fuck. There's I I so much up. shit. Like there, there's. All right. Uh, in, in a well, blink good game, of an gentlemen. Eye. Yeah. Fuck. That that was impressive. That was. Wow. <laughs> that All was right. fun. All right, so listener. Okay. For those of you at home, um, how, how long was that? That was what maybe. You screen, you screen capture, right? Maybe ten minutes. seven minutes. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Okay. Ten minutes. 
10 minutes, three, three wins in 10 minutes. Congratulations, John. Thank you. You are, you are the mind games chess master. <laughs> oh, great. You know, we, we, we don't give that title out frequently, but when we do, it's earned. Let's, let's do a little, little post-game recap here. Um, sure. So I lost on move 22. So let's start with here. I mean, if you guys want to go through the games real quick. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's start with uh, Alex. You're Mr. Cheese Bills, right? That's correct. Okay. So let's uh, let's go ahead and take a look. Let me see if I can move this. Okay. All right. Wait, you went with putty teeth? You didn't go with cat teeth? I wanted it to be as close. Uh, kitty, teeth, next, kitty, kitty teeth. The D is next to the S on the keyboard. Yeah, fair. Yeah, you you fucked up on your fourth move because I was able to play C three, and your knight is being attacked and your bishop is being attacked. And the essence of chess is always attacking two things at once. So you basically just gave me the game there. Okay. Um, what what move was that? You said six. Move four. That was move four. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking owned. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, and then and then you did this classic thing. You you just uh ignored it. You didn't move a piece, which is actually the right thing to do. But then you played h5, which is a which is a uh a, a far rank, you know, file uh to do this maneuver where you uh try to get your rook out that way. But people always lose their rooks that way and that's exactly what happened. Um and uh common yeah, common from, mistake. From there I was able to just Check and yeah, yeah, we were wrapped up on move 12. So. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay, so let's see, let's see what else we got here. Yeah. Kate, you were putting up a pretty, you, I think you did okay. Dumb luck. Um, yeah, you made this weird ass move on your <laughs> second move, yeah, knight to h6. You really want to be playing knight to f5 or knight to f6 there to get. To hit the center, those center four squares. You want to control those as fast as possible. Um, yeah, and then again, you let me attack two things at once. Uh, on my fifth move, I'm winning a piece. That's just me flirting and, with you. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then from there, it's just largely, uh, you know, it's again downhill. You did, you did centralize your rooks there in the middle game. Um, but then you just dropped your queen. So after that, it was just done. I'm winning on the F file. This it's, is insane. It's no good. This is crazy. So, so you were computer. done on move 21. But you made it 20 moves. You didn't let me play a miniature. A miniature is everything under 20 moves. So Get fucked, Alex. Let's do, let's do CJ here. Let's, where's, where's, okay, all right. So we'll go back. I can't believe it was 12 moves. And you also played the Petrov, which is a... That opening was popular in the 20s. It's having a comeback, though. I actually saw it at the highest level of play recently. So, so I mean, hey, on your second move, you look like a grandmaster. Oh, um, so, CJ, we stayed even until the ninth move. And then you played rookie eight, um, which... Yeah, the computer is saying it's bad, but I don't see how it's bad necessarily. Oh no, 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 no. Let's see. Oh, oh, it's because it's because your C pawn's hanging, and I'm, I'm just I'm just winning a pawn. But you know, it's okay. I'm trying to get developed. No, you're looking good here. Uh, I mean, you got all your pieces off the back rank. Your rooks are connected. You're castled. 
You got two pawns on the center files. No, this is a totally, you know, uh, viable position. Um, I'm just able to kind of crack open your king side and exploit that weakness of, of those long diagonals, those light square diagonals. Mm -hmm. And I start prepping for that surprise check on uh, G6 where you can't take with the pawn. Yep. And then you make the exact wrong move and walk right into checkmate. So, so that was that. So, which is how a lot of our games have gone. You've done well, but then, yeah, you kind of start to run out of ideas of what to do. So, yeah. Um, well, thanks for the games. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you for, uh, for running through that. Um, I, I had a lot of fun getting my ass whipped. Yeah, I always same. do playing with John. So <laughs> I, I realize that's probably some very riveting radio for your listeners. Um, <laughs> well, it's really I, I, it's interesting to me. I mean, yeah, it's cool how you have it all. I mean, you have so much memorized. Yeah, uh, it, it, that's. I mean, it just you 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 get it through osmosis. You know, I mean, I spent a large portion of my twenties just camped up in my attic with. Uh, uh, a chessboard and some books, you know? Yeah. That's I mean, I just wanted to get good. I right. mean, that's just what it takes. I mean, you want to do something, you probably want to do it well. Right. And I hated losing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I hated losing. I, I'm so, feeling that right now. <laughs> well, I feel like I was talking to CJ about how it seems almost like, uh, like musicianship, but there's like a number for every, I mean, there's like a metric you can measure everything by and every like move by and every possibility. So it's, it's a lot. There's, like it's a, lot there's a lot of similarities. It's between, a different part of the brain, but it's like a similar. <laughs> I think that, I think that it's actually the exact same Probably, part yeah. of the brain. Um, well, the way I did, I did a lot of music in high school, but I know a lot of musicians who are also chess players. Yeah. Uh, it takes a lot of technique, mm -hmm. a lot of repetition, uh, learning a little bit of theory, which is kind of abstract, you know. Um, but the best chess player I've ever met in my life, or I guess who's, who's who's a friend of mine, is also an expert piano player. Yeah. You know, um, that, that checks out. Also, uh, pianos have white and black, and so does chess. There we go. Much <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's insightful. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, chess I think is like a newspaper. It's, it's <laughs> chess is like a fucking cow, am I right? It's, it's like a zebra, a zebra. <laughs> and the uh, and salt and pepper. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, yeah, because when you were talking about the games, it kind of sounded to me like people who are you know proficient at reading music, like talking about a piece of music in front of them. Right. Yeah, great. Like, I mean, you're, 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 it's, it's like a different language, mm -hmm. right? And your brain has to be able, like, I think that's like the difference between, like, I've played some chess in, you know, in elementary school, middle school, and a little bit Same. since then, but, you know, you, it seems like you can look at a board and, like, decode it almost mm -hmm. quickly. Whereas, like, for me, I mean, I would have to spend at least a couple minutes looking at each piece and shit, trying to figure out what's going on. When I imagine that's 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 what you're doing when you're playing chess. Essentially, getting good at chess, in in the most basic way to put it, is learning how to analyze positions yeah. and learning how to assess positions. As if you're in a, let's just say that I have the white pieces. Uh, are we even? Does white have an advantage, or is white winning? So understanding that understanding positional chess on that level will help you come up with a plan 
and kind of help you uh, use technique. And when we talk about technique in chess, we are specifically talking about winning games that are theoretically won, you know, not making a blunder, not messing it up. Right. Or fighting back from a losing position and getting a draw. Right. You know, uh, I just played a game against a very strong player and I got a draw and it was it was great. It felt like a win. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. draws are very important in chess. So do you take notes every time you play somebody? I mean, not us, but like, <laughs> somebody you play for real. Well, at, at tournaments, you have to keep notation. Here's okay. A, actually, here's one of my score sheets. This is from I was looking through the tournament I played in Chicago last year. But it kind of looks like this. So, uh, I mean, you write down every move. So e4, e5, knight f3, knight c6, bishop c4. We're playing the Italian game. Bishop c5. So so that, so that's not like taking uh, – uh, yeah, I'm playing the Italian game. Every time I play that, I go, what the fuck is this? <laughs> uh, so that's the only game I play. Yeah. That was a great – that was great impression. But after that, I, th- I think what you're asking is, do you actually go through and deconstruct a game? Right. Like, do you uh, review every, all, all the moves in every game you do? And, like, I mean, yes. you're learning from every single game you play. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Because that's probably Actually, the only you want to do that to... a couple days after tournaments. Okay. Um, and you, you really want to do it with somebody. Like, I'm in kind of like a little, uh, a, a little squad. Yeah. You know, it's me and two other people who are traveling to these tournaments. Every now and then we bring them forth. They're both better than me. So being friends with them is. That works. It's good. I mean, I've gotten wins off of them here and there, but just on average, they're just they're just a little bit better than me. But yeah, that's what we do. We look at our games after we play them and try to try to you know fi- fix our mistakes. That, that's how I found these two musically. <laughs> Don't cool. say that. Um, I was wondering Not wrong about something because I do want to talk about like the tournament experience because I'm curious about that. But I was wondering like. It seems to me that like pretty much every game opens the same, right? The white moves its king's pawn or queen's queen's pawn two spaces forward. Yeah, in the in the databases that record all the master games, those are the most common moves. So like, so. at what point do you st- like? At which move do you start to see variation? Like, at what point does it go from like predictable to unpredictable? Right. Um, so we use this term called book. A book move okay. um, and basically every chess player who's researching um, openings and things like that and there's uh, Lee chess has a pretty good database but you can actually look and test the games that you play in tournaments against games that have been recorded that have been played at a master level or higher okay, okay. so so your game will always follow something right um you start to get out of book around move seven. Okay. Sometimes, and, and if you get out of book earlier, it usually means that it's really bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that, because masters aren't playing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so if you actually uncork a novelty early in the game, it's usually a pretty shit move, you know. Now, like when we were watching the documentary, it mentions that there are, what, 10 – uh 10 to the 40 positions or so um within, yeah. within chess like how do you def or how when you have that many options how how do you determine like what is um a a good move 
Well, that's when you that's that's when you get back to the positional analysis. Okay. And that's how you. I mean, you know, a lot of people think that it's always thinking ahead or calculating or, or things like that. You're really not doing that. You're not sitting there and trying to think out lines. You. I mean, because you're doing game the time, theory. Then you're you're trying to and like that's a psychological thing, not time, space, and materials. Right. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean. In chess, everything is always time, space, and material, and that does include calculations. You know, c- calculating is looking ahead, you know. Right. <laughs> but trying to come up with a good move, basically, you know, I try to come up with a few candidates. So I'll be sitting there looking at my position. Uh, something will come to my mind. And, you know, at that point, I'll maybe calculate a little bit, think of their responses possible. Then I'll move on to another candidate another candidate move and you know you just really have to take the good and the bad of you know everything you do will always create some sort of weakness in your position every single move uh you know even Mm -hmm. if your opponent drops their queen you still have to spend a move taking it so you actually lose a tempo so i mean it's understanding that balance and, and all the imbalances you know that's how you select you know but coming up with a plan, planning in chess, that's that's the thing that put me from uh, under 1,000 rated player up to where I am now, you know. Right. And hopefully if my rating keeps going up, I'll look back at my games and I'll, I'll want to cry, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> my plans are going to look like shit, you know. But now how many of these different scenarios are you trying to, I want to say predict, but that you're gaming out a little bit? Um, at a time. You, well, the good thing is that you can get rid of nonsensical moves pretty easily. Every now and then you do want to look at a nonsensical move or a move that doesn't make sense just because it might enlighten you. It might surprise you somewhat. So really, I mean, generally you, you really only have a couple of ways forward, especially mm. when you get into the uh, middle game. Now the game gets way more complicated, way more complicated in the end game. You know, that's when you're in a rook and pawn in game, just to take it back to golf. I mean, rook and pawn in games are like uh, free throws in basketball or or uh, putting in golf. Right. That's where you're picking up points. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the whole idea is to get an advantage, trade everything down and then be in a theoretically one ending. You know? And then just not fuck up, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, so, I mean, you have your opening. The idea is just to get into a good position a middle game, try to resolve any tactics or gain to try to try to put yourself into a position where if you're where if the position starts to slide into an end game, you're happy. Right. And then when you're actually in the end game, you know, don't shit yourself, you know, keep yourself <laughs> together. And, and but that's that's when the game gets white knuckle. Right. That's when, you know, that's when uh that's when you really start to question what you ate for breakfast that day or, you know, why did I go have, why did I go smoke that cigarette or maybe I shouldn't have had that beer uh, uh, the night before right. because it's so tension, you know, the tension in your mind manifests in the body and all of a sudden your body starts doing things and you start wasting energy. Yeah. You know, but, but yeah, coming up with that plan, trying to, I'll stop clicking that pin here. Uh, <laughs> the same thing. It's all good. You're talking uh, to three ADD boys over here, so yeah. we're, we're you're in good company. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just learning how to systemically think and uh, talking to yourself in full sentences in your mind, not following your mind's eye, just actually formulating and talking to yourself out loud in complete rational sentences about the position yeah. how, now how, hard yeah i was gonna say how how difficult is that to like disconnect from <laughs> just the way that your mind juts from like one thought to another and, and control that well when you're losing it's impossible but when you're winning it's it's easy <laughs> okay <laughs> you know fair when fair. you know it's, it's easier like uh, my big thing is i would always get into a, uh, really good positions against strong players and then blow it yeah so i just get too excited you know, yeah. I would just, you know, and, and then again, the ego starts like, oh, yeah, I'm going to beat him. I'm going to beat him. It's like, <laughs> uh, really, you don't even you don't even want to think about your opponent. You just want to be purely in the position. Yeah, right. purely it's golf. in the position. It's golf. You're not you're not worried about anything else except what's right in front of you. Yeah. And just being there. This I had a mentor slash coach and he always talked about presence, just having a sense of presence at the board. You know, I'm seeing tournaments, I you know, people next to me start breathing heavy or start tapping their legs or things like that. I'm like, ooh, that is not good. Or yeah. like spinning ponds <laughs> in there. Right. I'm like, ooh, that is not good. You really want to be like a Easter Island head mm-hmm. and just be zen, stoic, and chill no matter what. So do you, you know? Do you feel like playing chess has like – because it sounds like a lot of the stuff you're talking about could be – and I, I am loath to use this language, but like mindfulness or, you know, like, you, I mean, you mentioned being present. Like, do you feel that that adding chess to your life is a like a form of meditation? Yeah. Do you feel like it's helped you with clarity or with, you know, any of the stuff that Problem therapy? Solving. Yeah. For me personally, it was directly tied to uh, kind of exploring spirituality. Uh huh. You know, now I, I want to caution against this. You know, it's not <laughs> spirituality. Okay, just a brutal game filled with violence. You know, um, but you know, we've had a lot of talks about the occult and yeah. magic and stuff like that, and just trying to uh, visualize and try to really uh, garner your will. You know, I did kind of see it as like a mental, somewhat spiritual uh, battle. You know, right. against yourself, try to bring out the best you know, right. that you can. And again, like when we talk about trying to get ahead of our egos, it almost will always go into a kind of, and this, you know, we're using very small ass spirituality here. Right? Yeah. But, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think that there's a case to be made for that. Um, some people, you know, that might bog people's chest down. So I don't really think about it like that anymore. But I, I used to see it that way, and that's kind of what made the game interesting to me. Yeah. Well, I feel so. like in a way, like, I probably, like, looking at it as a spiritual thing and, like, thinking that it's, like, celestial something is a problem if you're trying to play a game. But, <laughs> like, yeah. as far as, like, math and numbers are concerned and just, like, doing a basically open-ended puzzle with another person, like, as far as what our brain can fathom at one time or you know like the entropy in your brain that's allowed to like make let you do all those little calculations constantly is like you know that's in a way like as close as we can think of things that are like not like it's hard to it's hard it's not tangible so it's hard i feel like it's harder to i mean yeah, it, it is but in the same way it is super tangible because you can write it all down and analyze all of it so it's like a, right right but it but it but the reasoning is abstract right because i mean it's like critical thinking follow... in action 
it, it doesn't follow the uh, basic functions of time, space, and material in the world that we live in. Exactly. Um, you know, we all know that the fastest way to get from point A to point B is a straight line. But in chess, if you were to take two kings and march them down to the opposite end of the board, they'll get there in the same amount of time if you take one king, march it out to the center, and march it over to the uh, kind of fi- final resting s- uh, square. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that right there makes it abstract. I can, I can sh- uh, give you guys a link for that diagram if anybody wants to take a look at that sure. and kind of understand that concept. Yeah, absolutely. But... So, so yeah, it does kind of thrust you into the realm of abstraction quickly. I mean, you know, and, and again, it's better just to be there. It's better to be in the realm of abstraction and think about that instead of tied to the outcome. Yeah, right. You know, obviously you want to win, but you don't want to be tied to the outcomes. You know, you really just want to be, uh, that's the attitude I try to go into every tournament. Not that I'm going to win the tournament, but I'm going to just play the absolute best. Mm-hmm. Right, but then I start winning, and I'm like, and then the greed takes over, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, goddamn. <laughs> um, so what what is a a chess tournament like? Like, what's the what's the schedule? What's the experience of like playing competitive chess? When we travel, um, I, I live in Nebraska. There's hardly any tournament chess here. So when we travel, you know, we go to bigger tournaments. They're all very organized, things like that. Chicago, it is the most diverse group of people that you've ever seen crammed into a room, with with one exception, and I'll mention that at the end. Um, old, young, black, white. There were every year in Chicago. There's you know, over twenty different languages. You know, wow. Um, people from all over the world. You know, it's uh, it's. So, so, so the, the, the cultural event of it is pretty cool. And one way that it's not diverse and I'm, there's, there's a lot of push to change it is that there's a gender disparity. I was wondering you know. about that. Yeah. Yeah. They're really, you know, there seems to be a push to take it away from this being like an old boys club, which it's only good because, you know, more people playing, it's just going to be good for everyone. It's going to make right. the game. You know? Right. And that's what, that was a good thing about Queens Gambit, you know, a show that, as I said earlier, kind of reminded me of like the color palette of a '90s Taco Bell. <laughs> I thought it was really pretty. Or, yeah, yeah. Or, I know or being in a dentist office or something. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but it was cool. It was cool for you know little girls to watch that and see an aspirational figure. And right, you know, we did see an uptick in people playing. We did see an uptick in more, uh, you know, younger girls at, at uh, tournaments so that rocks ho- hopefully that'll change in the future hopefully we'll see more of that so so how Good many deal. games do you play a day well i probably play about at a tournament i mean not just like in general. oh oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. You, you don't have to wrap <laughs> yourself out right now <laughs> uh yeah sometimes well the the, the europeans think americans are barbarians because in europe you only play one a day um but here you play two, sometimes three. You usually play three on Saturday and two on Sunday. If you're playing just a five-round tournament. Right. Uh, in, in Chicago, you know, I play one in the evening and then two every day until seven rounds. Mm-hmm. So Now, what is that event in Chicago? What, what is the, the title of that? Oh, that's called the Chicago Open. That's the one that I go to, but there's a lot of big tournaments in Chicago all the time. Yeah, we really? just like to go to that one. Okay. 
what is uh is there like a title that people are playing for there is that a specific yeah well like how, how, how does that break down across the country and internationally i mean you don't have to get into the nitty-gritty but just broad terms for people like ourselves who are not really ha- or don't yeah, have any experience yeah. with this sure at those at those big tournaments they have them broken down into sections okay so it's not like everybody isn't in the same tournament okay you have what's called the open which is where the grandmasters and the international masters are playing and then you have the under 2300 so as long as you're under 2300 you could play in that section under 21 under 1900 which is where i like to play and then under 17 so so, so this sounds very similar to like um equestrian events where you have the different classes yeah uh, yeah, yeah okay yep yep uh and then from there you know the big tournaments you can get those uh, uh title points you can hit certain achievements during the tournament and if you get enough of those Throughout your chess career, FIDE, the the world governing body, will give you what's called a norm. And if you get three norms, you get an international master, or or maybe you'll get pick up a grandmaster norm. You know, there, there's people who are better than grandmasters, but they aren't grandmasters just because they don't play in those tournaments. So okay, so gra- grandmasters is a title, not necessarily a a assessment of skill per se. That there there may be somebody that is more skilled than the individual is holding that title at the at that time. It's technically a title. Yeah, it's technically more so a title than it is assessment of skill. But because cuz I mean let's face it, there are grandmasters, there's strong grandmasters and there's weak grandmasters, but the weak grandmasters still are incredible. They're, they 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 sure. belong to the super the most elite level you could be at. But they'll never be again, that hill gets steeper the higher you go. Sure. You know, the there's a there is a huge gulf between the 20th best player in the world and the seventh best player in the world. Really? It's oh yeah, oh yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they might get like uh, upset or or something like that, but once you start getting up into the top ten, you know, you have to be consistent a lot. Maybe that maybe that might have been a bit of an overstatement, but there's a reason that person is in the top 10 and there's a reason the other person isn't right. I feel like, you know? I feel like that's like, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the smartest sports guy, but like, I feel like a lot of, with a lot of sports, that's not the case. Like there's a, I mean, obviously there's clear cases like, you know, Tom Brady is indisputably the best, but like with a lot of right. bucks. activities, right? <laughs> yeah. Go bucks. There's <laughs> sorry. We have to wrap our team, you know, yeah. they, oh. they, they, they were bad for so long. You know, when they're good, you have to, like, appreciate it. Right. But, no, I was, like, it seems like, you know, you could argue about, like, who the top three wide receivers are. And, like, there's an argument to be made for maybe five guys, right? And it sounds like chess is not that way. No. No. The world champ is 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 the world champ. Uh, and, you know, I guess maybe that, uh, tw- that 20th rank to 7th rank, that might be a bit of an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. But I mean, because, you know, that person could come through and actually end up in the top 10. You know, there's always kind of a rotating cast of people. But but you do understand what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, the farther down you get, even though you're rated 27, this is a better way to put it. The difference between a 2700 rated grandmaster and a 2800 rated grandmaster. That's the that's the. Gap. OK, can you get into this? The this number system. Somebody didn't watch. 
Brooklyn Castle. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> I watched the one about uh, Bobby Fischer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, it is, I mean, leave it to chess players to make things so complicated. Um, but the, the rating system it uses this very arcane formula that I don't understand. I know a few people who get it. <clears throat> but basically, it's a way to rate where you are um, compared to all the people that you've played who also have ratings. Okay. So, you know, I just picked up 50 rating points at my last tournament because I beat an expert mm -hmm. and I drew somebody who was a hundred points higher than me. Uh, I lost to another expert and I handily beat like a 1200 rated player beating that expert. Netted me a lot of points, right? You know, it got me a lot. So, and then finishing with the draw against that last guy who was higher rated than me again, having a draw instead of a loss on my overall performance made the difference. That's also helped me get those 50 rating points, which is a lot. Mm -hmm. so, so in one tournament. And so can you go through the levels from like you just getting into this, this sphere um, to grandmaster or, or yeah, yeah, no problem. I'm a, I'm a B player. Okay. I'm what they call a B player. So it just goes down, down in uh, ratings of 200 or like 200 rating points. So, so if I was, so what do you, let's say, what do you start at? What is, what is like the, the basement? At here? your first tournament. Yeah. 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 You start, you have a, what's called a provisional rating. Um, uh, okay. So, so you, you have to play 20 games before you get a real rating. Okay. Is that yeah. 20 games against different individuals or is it? Yep. Okay. Yep. 20 games at a tournament. Yeah, 20 games that are recognized by the uh, uh, United States Chess Federation. Okay, but can, can they be against, like, if you play the same person twice at one of these tournaments, can does that count as two or does that count as one? That would count like as two. That would, that would count as two. Two, okay. It would. It would, it okay. would be like so, playing two different people who have the same rating. Okay, right? so it's just 20, yeah, 20 games total at, at a tournament. 20 games total, you're usually only playing five to seven games at a tournament. <laughs> okay. So you got to play okay. like four four tournaments before okay. you get an uh, actual rating gotcha okay <laughs> alex alex is you're seeing the the engineer mind i'm here, sorry he's trying <laughs> oh, yeah to, i mean he's not an he's, yeah. he's the closest to an engineer out of the three of us yeah for sure hey, um, hey man like what one year of failing out of engineering school counts for something <laughs> does it maybe Hey man, I, I started I, playing chess when I dropped out of college. So, there we go. There you go. You know, My guy. It does. It, it it does take us interesting places sometimes. Yeah. So, so what's what is the? Uh, I mean, this is a a big question. So we're looking. I guess the condensed version. But what does the history of chess look like? What like? I mean, it's it's been around forever. Um, so what's <clears throat> the the quick hits there? Yeah, there were a lot of. Um, kind of turn-based strategy games. I think the closest one that the closest one that resembles modern chess. Final Fantasy 2. Yeah. <laughs> I almost made that joke and I was like, no. And then leave it to Kate. There you go. Had to do it. Sorry, go ahead. Window it was Super Mario it. Kart. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> chess evolved from Super Mario Kart. Um, uh, let's see. So it started off in India. Um, none of the pieces really moved this how they do now. The queen could only move one square at a time and only on diagonals like bishops. Uh, you couldn't huh. move two pawns forward. 
there were like different kind of rules. Uh, I, th- I think that the true modern rules were established, were really, really established and accepted globally around the 1850s. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Bef- so that's more recent than I thought. Well, chess was around. I mean, you know, they they would play it. You know, they would play very similar versions of chess before that. But that that's when it all really, truly got formalized. I think. Okay. But you could look at chess games from the 1600s or the 1700s for sure, and they're they're all using the 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 same conventions. You know. Well, and I'm sure I'm sure that like the opening up of the world had to do with you know the concretization or whatever the the solidification of it as like a an international game right yeah yeah and that that's where it actually all really gets interesting because um there were no professional chess players uh in the super early or like in the late 1800s let's see i gotta remember when paul morphy he was the first dude who lost his fucking mind playing so (laughs) first of me um yeah, there, there, there really were a lot. So, okay, so he was playing. He was born in 1837 and died in 1884. He spent his whole life playing chess, but nobody took him seriously because the idea of a professional chess player was totally absurd. It wasn't until the let's see, when was Alakin? When did Alakin become world champ? Uh, so he he became basically the first. You know, he, he won in 1921. He became world champ. And he was the first person to want to do it strictly as a vocation. Okay. You know, um, so he was the first person who actually did home prep, who actually went home and tried to, like, s- try to solve lines and come up with openings on his own. And you said this was 1920? 20. Okay. That's when the game started becoming more of something that you could actually spend your life doing and and, and be respected for it mm. <laughs> you know it was just seen as like a parlor game yeah gotcha and for the longest time it was only played in coffee shops and bars and shit like that mm-hmm. like is it know. was there a was there like a class component is this like a game for poor people rich people like I, I I think there is I think there was I think it you know I know it used to be a game of nobility where you know as the kind of uh, the the house system I don't know what you'd call it where you'd have like various houses and right and just, you know um, but they they would have they would have a house chess player that's kind of what I that, like that's what I thought but then when you you talking about it being like a parlor game like a bar game you know what I mean that's that sounds yeah. like a working person thing. Right, right. I believe. I believe. Don't don't quote me on this, but I think you know when the industrial revolution started getting you know started, I do think that chess did have a downward mobility kind of kind of component. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, I, I I would have to double check on that, but you know, certainly certainly since the the you know since since uh the soviet union got started mm-hmm. right you know it, it became a class uh component on the on the geopolitical stage you know it didn't really get popular here in a big way until fisher really so yeah not in like a big wave not or or not not in like uh, uh a substantial way bobby fisher like really 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 made it huge in the united states that's you just, know, there were people who had the niche interest before, but th- I mean that that really kicked things off and turning it into a 
huge, huge uh, phenomenon. That's when everybody was learning how to play. Like, that's just so strange to think of that because the Fisher Championship game, that was, what, 73? 72, I 72, think. 72. 50 years ago, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you, I don't know. I just, uh, personally, I viewed chess as, like, one of these, like, unchanging, static, like, staples of uh, modern society. And I would not have imagined that that was kind of like a a big uh, turning point was would have been in the 70s. Yep. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, you know, there was still tournaments. And sure. Stuff. You get, yeah. You get into, I mean, I mean, he had to learn how to play somewhere. Yeah. Right. You know, there were chess clubs like, you know, so I'm not trying to say that it wasn't a thing. Yeah. It very much was a thing. But um, but as far as like a popular. They, they didn't televise it. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't televise it until until he came around, you know. Let's uh um, let's talk about Bobby Fisher a little bit because he's he's a character. Yes, he is. Um, m- most important question: Do we know if his mom was a Soviet spy? I know that the FBI had a file on her, substantial one, a substantial file. <coughs> Has that been? Uh, I don't think we know that, but I think that that would be really, really, really cool. So yeah. I'm gonna use I'm gonna, I'm gonna use chaos magic to just live in the reality where <laughs> his mom is a Soviet spy. Cool, hell yeah. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot. He gets a lot of stuff about you know because it's a great metaphor that an individual was able to take on the Soviet system and win. Right. You know, but I do just want to say that I read his biography and Bobby Fischer had a lot of admiration for the Russian people. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, and he, I mean, it, it's it's really interesting to see how a, a game, like just to stress, like a game that people play to pass the time and to exercise their minds became so central and crucial to the geopolitical stage of like the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Um, I mean, we so listener for reference, we all watched well i mean i guess you've probably seen it before john but we watched um bobby fisher against the world is what it's called mm-hmm. right and uh it it's a it's a good documentary but it had like i mean in it is henry kissinger you know yeah like, talking himself about like yeah you know we really had to push this bobby fisher guy so that we could <laughs> you know assert ourselves against the soviet menace or whatever and it's like holy he's shit. totally full of shit bobby went because he wanted to win he yeah, wasn't doing right. it for Kissinger at all. Kissinger, we all know about, you know, he's just he's full of shit. Like Right. But 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 like I mean for for you know, for Henry Kissinger to see essentially like a gamer <laughs> as <yeah>. so central <laughs> to, you know, the this the the cultural the culture war, the cultural component of the Cold War is fascinating to me. I, I need the modern component of this. I need Trump just going up when he gets reelected because we live in hell. And um, talking about phase fa- clan. Fa- yeah, I was gonna say phase bang. <laughs> that would be so sick. Um, so so, but so you're saying that Bobby Fischer wasn't because I mean he's he's positioned as like a very anti-communist guy. Um, he's kind of used he's kind of used as a mascot or, or was used as a mascot I I, I think he, the only thing he cared about was chess I do think that he you know as as we all know he was a, uh, a crazy anti-semite you know yeah l- l- late in his life he totally went fucking nuts uh, he just developed a paranoia 
he developed a paranoia and took conspiracy theories in the completely wrong, wrong direction um, with his uh, anti-Semitism. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's really unfortunate. It's really sad. Yeah. But again, I mean, at chess, I mean, I'm, I'm going through uh, a, a book of his games right now. Like, okay. you know, nobody's going to get canceled in chess. Cancel culture doesn't exist in chess. We don't ever talk. We don't even think about it. We just talk about his brilliance as a as a as a game uh-huh. as as a game player. Don't so. don't tell the conservatives that. <laughs> I know. you're gonna be swarmed. <laughs> I I do say I, I have noticed a more left a more left presence uh, at tournaments. Really? Yeah, I have. I I have definitely definitely uh, noticed that. I don't know any everybody that I've met at tournaments who has expressed any kind of political belief, it's always been left wing, you know, and that's, that's from just kind of like, you know, uh, MSNBC liberals all the way to just like, no, Marxism is a science. Like, (laughs) you know, like correctly stating that Marxism is a science. I might add. So, right. Right. The immortal science we should say. (laughs) Yes. 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 Thank you. Um, okay. So do we think that like, was Bobby Fisher's paranoia and kind of going off the deep end linked to his chest? Or do you think that it was more his, like just being kind of a, like a savant or, uh, like, cause I mean, it, it kind of came out of nowhere, right? Like if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there were, there were little clues along the way. Um, and again, he was paranoid, but he, he, I mean, he didn't really have a, he didn't know how to train his paranoia to kind of see through the fog, you uh, know? I wish and somebody also, had given him pension. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. He is like a pension character a bit. Yes, he um, is. <laughs> but, you know, also it's lonely at the top. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's just isolated. He was just spent so much time by himself. Like, like And like you said, like he was the first, like he made it majorly popular in the u.s so like and on top of being like obsessed with winning i mean between those two things i feel like it's an easy road to like blaming whomever for all your problems (laughs) yeah yeah and uh you know the the soviets did did try to you know conspired for for lack of a better term to to maintain their uh dominance Mm -hmm. you know um fully they did not want an american to win you know so they did they did try to select certain people to go up against them and they did try to make their uh make their tournaments performances maybe look better than they are or maybe they did you know fix games between people they could to you know just go to a draw quick so our country has the most points coming out of this tournament things Mm -hmm. like that so he was a little right to be suspicious of those kind of hijinks but I don't know where the, you know, I don't know where the anti-Semitism came from, you know. I mean, it almost like, I mean, I guess this is tangentially related, but like, it it don't, like, I think about like, uh, in, oh, fuck. I don't remember if it's Infinite Jest or a different DFW piece, but like, where he talks about how, like, if you talk to a professional, like the, the greatest tennis player in the world, and you're like, you know, what did you, like, how did you do that? Like, well, you know, I just went out there and I just, I played my game, I hit the ball and, you know, and they, they can't like articulate 
yeah what the what the thing is that lets them be that good at what they're doing right yeah and i wonder if that's like if i mean there's like an inability to know oneself and i feel like if you can't know yourself it's probably easier to also not be able to know that like you know the jews don't control everything or whatever the case may be you know like right yeah that's a good that's a good way to put it um and you know, you see this happen, and you know, I've I've won one tournament in my life. I've only nice. gotten first in one tournament. That's awesome! Though. Congrats. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was great. But let me tell you something weird. This is just what I experienced, and I've heard other people experience this uh, before as well. But when I finally won, when my last opponent resigned, right, I didn't really have a swell of joy. I didn't really have a swell of anything. I felt totally empty and not in like a depressing way or not like anything like that. But right. I just went, it was, it was at a, a golf clubhouse and I just went and it just didn't like really occur to me. So I do kind of wonder how it feels to be the champion at something like, obviously you're going to be very excited, but like the, the reason I bring this up is because you mentioned infinite Jess. He has this concept where there, there's kind of a trauma in for sure actually attaining your goal yeah yeah you know where do you go from there right yeah because i mean you it's it's the gas in the tank right and like yeah once the tank's empty like and that sucks yeah and magnus carlson the current world champ is talking about not even defending his title anymore really Uh, yeah yeah he's talking about you know he just wants to try to get the to 2900 uh uh, and that's his goal. And being world champ doesn't involve that for him. Is that the so, highest ranking? Uh, that would be the highest rating that a human has had. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait. So you specified a uh, human. I got it. Are, are, yeah. are we getting into are like compete- Watson territory with this? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and that this is another kind of historical turning point, you know. I mean, now chess research is all done with computers are um, are the computers like rated is that what mm-hmm. yeah they have tournaments they have their own tournaments uh, oh, don't like that oh god this just this episode uh, just took a yeah, fucking is... turn we went from like yes fun game to terminator real quick <sighs> yes yes um but they're in the they're in the they're in the three thousands they might be hitting four thousand now but okay, um, but how can you compare like yeah? How does that pedaflops to like an individual being able to come up with moves? Like that's just that that <laughs> almost seems like impossible to to to, yeah. to square that circle. You know, it's uh, it, it, yeah, it, it, we're about to get into some mind-boggling um, territory here, but AIs. At the beginning, they were very rudimentary, you know, and they finally got one that could beat world champion Kasparov. He beat it the first time and then they had a rematch and then he lost. I'm I'm pretty sure is how that went. I think he lost in 94, 95. And everybody was saying that it's the death of chess. Nobody's going to want to play chess anymore because the machines can just beat us. (laughs) Well, obviously that's not the case because, you know, we still have chess, you know, (laughs) you know, um, but they started using, uh, I can't remember what it's called, machine learning or something, but it seems like every three years, 
there's this discussion that it's gotten the highest it'll it'll go that the computers are solving chess and then another computer will come along and almost seemingly invent a, a totally new way of playing it's hmm. crazy and i don't i mean at the end of it the big debate this is the philosophical debate is if you can solve chess right like is there a checkers. perfect game yeah exactly exactly like it's you know checkers has been solved you know like uh i think whoever moves first is winning i'm pretty sure that you can force a win in checkers i'm not not quite sure but you know yeah so then you can plug other games in you know where there is a way to actually always win them so So right now this is going on this is getting into game theory then with this type of i think i don't i don't i gotta confess i don't really know what game theory Me neither. is alex mentioned it in our oh, group God. chat and it's, i was like it's an enigma I, that's <laughs> way beyond me i i spent most of this week uh trying to <laughs> learn about that to the point that you could maybe discuss it and it was just like nope nope i am an the idiot. only time i hear game theory brought up is one of these like beltway dipshits talking about yeah. electoral <laughs> yeah. maps with uh, game theory. Yeah, it, it's, and I'm like, what it, the fuck it, are you talking? It, about? It's a way of uh, increasing the odds of controlling a situation. It's okay. Yeah, through like mathematics. That and, sounds like some sicko shit. Yeah. To oh, me, it is. It is just like <laughs> it. It was developed by the Rand Corporation. <laughs> if that says anything. Oh, great! Awesome. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it's it's common use can be. Um, can be in like um, bridge or um, uh, poker and trying to like the guy that started started counting cards was like the um, that's the movie that uh, a beautiful minds based off of again nerd shit yeah we're talking about nerd shit yeah but um, so he he came up with it um, and ended up working with Rand Corporation and then they determined like oh this is a great way to do it figure out which groups of people we should just like nuke off the face of the earth first yeah so yeah. well according to game theory it's actually this wedding that we need to bomb yes <laughs> yeah hey I'm, I'm sorry people game theory says we need to do the double tap <laughs> yes <laughs> is it is is that don delillo novel uh, endgame does that involve chess i'm not remembering i don't know that one okay i think it might be actually about football i don't remember um but uh, anyways, what, what were we talking about before game theory? I don't know. <laughs> oh, the, uh, the uh, sorry, the AIs. The yeah, AI, AIs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were talking about the AIs. So can't so can chess be solved? Like it, I just like I'm. Ha- anytime you're starting to get into AI shit and machine learning, you know my. We, we have to hold him down. We got to tape him to something. Like he just starts <laughs> yeah. getting. He starts foaming. Yeah. Um. So. I mean, are, is there a consensus as to whether or not chess can be solved? Like, is that a no? No, and if there's always a, there's always a group of people saying that it's saying that um, the death of chess is happening. Capablanca, who lost his title uh, in 1920, he thought chess was dead. He thought it was solved. He thought that you needed to actually start making the board bigger and adding pieces huh. to keep it interesting. <laughs> But really, all that is is just a, a paradigm of thinking, right? You know, um, it, it's it's hard because it, it, there really is a science behind it. You know, there really is objectivity in chess. There really is. There are positions that are better. It's not a it's not an opinion. 
Okay. No, it's a fact. You know, there's not right. going to be any postmodern chess. That's not going to happen. You know, Good. It, it, it can't happen. You know, question <laughs> you brought up, like making the board bigger. Are there different variations of the game with with? Yeah. Yeah. And people are always trying to play me in like chess 960 or, uh, you know, where the where the setup is completely different. I don't play any of that. OK, that's just me. Apparently, they're really fun, but getting good at this one game is hard enough. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Um, I did want to also touch on uh, uh, the occult aspects or the magical aspects because, you know, we've talked about that a bit on our show. Um, I mean, obviously, like, the first thing that I thought of recently looking at a chessboard is like, oh, yeah, that's just, like, what the Freemasons do for their tile, <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> um, what Can you kind of walk our listeners through, like, is there an occult element to chess? Is there any kind of esoteric shit or is that just me i'm just gonna speak for myself here yeah for sure um uh there can be if you want to go down a rabbit hole I like do. you Take know us down you that can, rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> well you could just start you live in a like, rabbit hole like yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <Yeah. true. laughs> um shit like there's 64 hexagrams in the I Ching and there's 64 squares on a chess board. The perfect chess game is like totally balanced, which seems, you know, I, I don't really know what the, what the uh, outer free Freemason project is for people that want to join, but they're always trying to seek balance. Right. I think the reason, I think the reason Masonic lodges have black and white is to uh, balance out the union concepts or whatever they are of light and dark. Right. You know, so I don't know, you know, I've, I'm really upset that Jordan Peterson has not responded to my challenges. (laughs) (laughs) Jordan Peterson, Uh, come on mind games and play John. Yes. I'm, I'm sure he would be like, oh, well, this is like the, you know, you gotta <laughs> fight the dragon. The archetype. <laughs> Which is great because there's an opening called the Sicilian dragon. So, no shit. He'd start crying if he knew that. I know. I would slide him a glass of apple cider if he started trying to beat me, though, so I could send him into another coma. <laughs> uh, just put a little bit of benzos on the pieces so that if he like puts it <laughs> in his mouth. He yeah, that might motivate him. Um, but but but, no i don't i don't know i mean i really try to resist making chess about anything other than just chess like and it's hard to do because it's such a great metaphor it is you know uh i'm reading a book right now by coburn um and he's trying to use a lot of psychoanalysis stuff and you know some of it makes sense but it's 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 hard it's hard to deconstruct it as anything other than just a game Right. You know, I mean, it's not going to enlighten you in any way other than just understanding it as a game. Well, and I mean, but, I, think that, I think that that's like, so, like, that's one thing that makes it really compelling to me is that it it is so often used as like a metaphor or it's often used, you know, in, in art or whatever to like kind of talk about more. But like it is it, that is clearly a projection. Right. And it's a projection onto a thing that is like as you said simply time space and materials there's clear rules there's you know limits and it's it can be very easily explained but it's fucking captivating for some reason 
It, it, it is. And it could be a fun metaphor and it could be, it could be a fun projection. It could be a useful projection. Right. You know, if you, if, if you're trying to make uh, a metaphor, but um, I don't know. I just kind of decided I took a two year break and I just decided when I got back into it, that I was just going to try to focus only on my game. Like, that's it like i'm kind of losing interest in this book because it's not directly about chess it's about the <laughs> outer periphery of chess right you know which don't get me wrong is very interesting and i like coburn's writing but um i don't know i mean unfortunately he wrote the book as fisher was you know asserting his dominance mm. so i don't know if he ever revisited the subject maybe he has a proper diagnosis of what happened to him but but no, I mean, I've been to too many tournaments. I've seen too many people to know that. <laughs> I, I think very few people actually connect it to the occult, you know? Like, okay. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting, because when we were talking about playing this episode, you sent me that article about chess as an extreme sport. Yes. Um, do you kind of want to break that argument down? Because I thought it was yeah. really compelling. Yeah, and this is one of my favorite debates to get into uh, with people when uh, I tell them that, yeah, I, I didn't believe it for a long time, even going to tournaments. But when I actually really, truly applied myself at a long tournament, I started to understand chess as a sport, as an actual sport. Um, it is a very physically and mentally taxing activity. You, you will not be able to do well unless your body is ready to absorb the uh, 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 energy that your mind is using. You know, right. when I was playing, when I was playing well, when I had a really good year, I was waking up to jump rope. I was eating um, a mostly vegetarian. Uh, I'd eat meat on the weekends mm -hmm. and I was really trying to take care of myself. Um, and I'm, not an athlete that's just apparent just by looking at me right now so you can imagine how intense it is at the highest level these guys the, the top chess players in the world they're all really good at tennis they're all swimmers they're all very active people hell yeah you have to be everything in your life at that level is in service to chess everything everything so you hear about these, you know, you, maybe you could put the, or you can... We can link the article, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the amount of people who have health problems at tournaments because of the stress, I yeah. mean, if you're putting your body on the line like that, why can't it be a sport? You know? Well, I mean, I mean what, what other sports drive people insane? <laughs> well, I, yeah, exactly. I know, I mean, like, yeah, I'm, well, I'm and trying, I mean, I think too, like, like, I feel like part, I mean, I, well, fuck it, let's go down this rabbit hole. Let's like, do yeah, it. Okay. Because <laughs> to my mind, right, like, I think that that distinction that people try to draw between sport and non-sport or sport and game, like, I've had the argument with my dad a lot, right? And golf is always the line where we're like, is it a sport? Is it a game? But on some, like, I feel like that, that, that argument is dwelling on like a mind body distinction that I don't think is really there. Right. And so I think that if you're taking something like chess and you want to say that it's physical, like, I mean, you just like cortisol alone, like a stress hormone 
under those circumstances is going to be building and that's go that has an impact on your body it affects your muscles like it affects your heart rate all this stuff so i mean i think it it's totally fair i mean in the article that you sent me what two guys had recently died when he wrote the article like yeah. at the tournaments yeah and it's like shit like that's that's no joke <laughs> no no and you know like and it's not that the chess tournament caused them to die it's just they had health problems and maybe it was brought out through the stress the game right you know because because again it's very very stressful Losing is a very, very painful, painful process. I yeah, mean, for sure. When you are doing bad at a tournament, you think of every single mistake that you've made in your entire life. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's horrible. It's, yeah. it's horrible. Like, <laughs> you're like, what am I doing? Right? You know, why am I even here? I'm wasting all my time. You know, but you know, again, to be, uh, I mean, to be a, a good player, you need to separate yourself from that and understand that as just an intrusive thought, you know? Right. (laughs) But I mean, go ahead. No, 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 please. I was just going to say like with any other professional athlete, I feel like, and especially as time goes on, everything is being moved further and further into like how, how much statistics can we put into every measure of every professional sport? And I feel like that, it's kind of a weird thing because you'll never get to like the quantified ability. That's probably not a word of, no, I, of chess, uh, but that's really how they're trying to, you know, measure more the skill of all these like professional football players. And I'm sure it's the same for like soccer it is, in, in baseball. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and I feel like to some extent, like because those people have a physical natural talent a lot of the time, whereas chess is like literally all, like brain power i feel like it could almost be i mean all of it's super stressful especially in america like sports that whole thing is crazy just like the the pay and how all that works and getting transferred and all that nonsense but anyways uh it just seems like that there's a almost an another level of stress that could be had through a game that is literally all just like strategy and calculation because you can literally like you can define every say i mean it's a positive and a negative but you can like look and see exactly what you did wrong every time so then the next time you do it i feel like it's it's so much worse and i just feel like since there's like a number and like it's on a set little you know board that it it is like it's just a different scope and scale than something like missing a catch during a football game or something not that that's yeah. not any you know it's still it's still stressful but it's just it's just different yeah well and plus you're doing it alone yeah. You only right. have yourself to blame. Exactly. Right. That's it. So like, and that's why I've, I see a lot of people do this and I, I did it. I, I stopped playing for two years cause I wasn't getting any better. And I started, you know, those bad feelings. I just didn't like to have them. So I had, I had to step away for a little bit, but I do see people get, go way into it. They get their, they just get slapped around at a tournament and it just really hurts them. And maybe they'll try again. And they're just like, I, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it just really takes a certain kind of personality to be willing to put up with abuse, especially if you're starting later in life like I did, you know, right, right. like th- that's that's really that's really, I guess what I'm talking about. I'm talking about more so at my level. I mean, I, I can't really speak too much to the experiences of grandmasters, but the life of a club player is 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 getting over that. Right. You know, it's it's hard. Um, And then, I mean, you even see, too, like. With, with what y'all were just saying, I was thinking 
Oh, fuck. It was a little while ago, but you sent me a video of a tournament that happened. I th- it was in the last, like, three or four months for sure, but that dude made a, like, a pretty egregious mistake and just walked away from the game, if I'm not... Am, am I remembering that right? Oh, yeah. I think that was... I think it was the world champion chip, actually. I think it might have been. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, even... So even there, you're, you know you're seeing people make these flubs and then i mean what do you do you know you're on camera the game is being watched by however many millions of people and i mean it was the kind of i, I don't know if you remember what the move was but i looked at it i was like oh yeah that sucked like <laughs> that was that was a bad one yeah. um I and know. he was having a, in a tough tournament and the day after he came back with a haircut wait really yeah he he changed his appearance Huh. He came back. He had a top knot, and he came back with a with a like a I guess a normal haircut. Really? So yeah. So I kind of see that as a tell. It's like you're actually changing your physical appearance, you know, which I kind of see as somewhat of a psychological maneuver. Yeah. <laughs> underneath all this stress, it's like a know? breakup haircut. Alex's, yeah. Yes. Alex's, exactly. Alex's, that's yep. that's exactly what I was looking for. Thank you. <laughs> but. Um, uh, but, but but yeah, I mean, and also l- look at those two people, Magnus. I think uh, the guys—I always mess up his last name, but for short, everybody calls him Nepo. Okay. Up against Magnus Carlson, Magnus Carlson looks way more like an athlete than Nepo does. Right. Magnus Carlson's in better shape. He's obviously a way better chess player, but he's also just in shape. He trains his body, you know. Right. So. Some of my friends give me shit for calling it a sport. It's like I don't really consider myself an athlete when I'm going right. to to play chess. I don't really consider that for me. I I do try to have an athletic mindset like for it, and I do I do try to like get up in the mornings and move around, get my blood flowing, and you know try to eat smart and you know things like that. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not taking it as seriously as the as as the actual pros do. But at the pro level, if 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 playing tournament chess is your vocation. You're an athlete in my eyes, you yeah. know. No, so I, John Daly could have been one of the best golfers, but he likes drinking beer and smoking cigarettes and eating chicken wings. Right. Which don't get me wrong. Yeah. Who is us? Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he under see he's smarter. He's smarter because he's like, why would I do anything else? I'm good enough at this. Right. And I can still drink beer, smoke cigarettes, and eat chicken wings. <laughs> yeah. So, so you so so you could have your you could have your national titles or stuff or stuff like that. So. No, for sure. Well, I mean, I, I, I was thinking about, like, the inverse, too, of, like, ah, fuck, I forget which Olympic sport I was reading about, but it was it, it was an Olympic athlete talking about their time in the off-season, and it was, like, in addition to, like, fucking six hours of training a day or whatever, it was reading, meditating, spending time in, uh, like, uh, like a, a hot tub. I first a hot tub or an ice bath, but, like, there, so in the same way that, like, you have to cater your body cater to your body to facilitate the you know intellectual aspect of chess like these athletes have to treat their mind right to be able to perform well physically mm-hmm. right um, yep and i i have this opinion that if if fisher wanted to defend his title um i don't think he could have i don't think he could have stayed champion for very long Really, I think he would. I think we just saw a, a meteoric rise in his career, and everything kind of fell apart for him. And I just think, uh, you know, Karpov 
became the next world champion. And I, I think Karpov would have beat him because Karpov is Mr. He is Mr. Zen. He is the most cold, calculated, detached, you know, dude out there. He's just, I mean, you look at his eyes and they're just dead. Like, but I love him. I love his chess. I, I like his chess more than Fisher's actually. I like to look at Karpov's games, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you, you, you need to be a full holistic machine to be performing at that level. I mean, almost with anything, I think for sure, for sure to be the best at something. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what's cool about thinking about, you know, the world champions. It's like, they're like aliens. Yeah. No, they <laughs> you know? really are. 100%. They're so above the human drama. You know, they're just on they're a Dr. Different Manhattan, plane. man. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's like with chess, you know, people associate it with uh, being smart or very intelligent or things like that. Sometimes I'd listen to Magnus Carlsen talk and he sounds like a total dumbass to me. <laughs> like, but here's the thing. It's, it's a skill. It is an isolated skill. Right. You know, I mean, sure, it might require some intellectual aptitude uh, to do that. But, uh, you know, it's not like whoever's winning games is the smartest person, you know. Right. It's, whoever's winning games is the person who is applying their whole self, their whole thing to it. The person who's more present. Right. You know, the person who's more disciplined, you know, it's about working. It's not about natural gifts or natural intelligence. It's about work. Right. Well, and again, I mean, you have the same thing that we've talked about now a couple of times, but like it's, it's, it is a game and people project onto it intelligence and project onto it like this stature. But at the end of the day, it is, it is only what it is, which is just pieces on a board. And like you said, presence and, and aptitude you know, working yep. with those materials. Yep. And time, space, and material. That's time, space, and material. And time, space, and material. So it's whatever you, whatever kind of life you can breathe into time, space, and material. I don't know. That's how good you're going to get. Kind of sounds that, like. That was really abstract. That didn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> no, I, but... I liked it. I thought it was nice. Um, it sounds like what I'm hearing is that if you play chess, you get to pretend to be God. Breathing life into time, <laughs> yeah. space, and material. You can do that when you're driving your car, too, you know. <laughs> we were just talking about this with Alex earlier. Oh, God. And yeah. his road rage. Yeah. Um, no, no comment. Guys, if nothing else, I've learned so much more than I ever have on an episode of this podcast today. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this is this is going to be a real shock for the listeners because uh, we have somebody smart on this show. Like an actual expert. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm a little fuzzy on a lot of this stuff, you know, but I have spent 10 years doing it. It's been a part of my life for 10 years. Um, and it's, at, at the end of the day, it's just awesome. It's just a really, really fun, fun activity. Like I've talked about the stress and all that kind of stuff, but if you can just let yourself enjoy it and again, un uncouple your, 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 your ego, mm -hmm. like, and actually have fun at tournaments, it is so rewarding. It is so, so rewarding. It's, it's a great way to spend time. You know, it's, it is a lot of work, you know, like a lot of worthwhile uh, endeavors, you know, it, it takes yeah. a lot of time, you know, 
especially to do it semi-decently, you know, but uh if, if anybody's listening and they want to get good i recommend logical chess move by move by irving chernev that's 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 the best that's, the, that's the book that will help you get rating points and win tournament games so. i mean it's yeah it's i think that and i mean from my experience like i've never played in a tournament but john started talking mentioned to me that he played chess and i was like shit i should play again and even just our limited games like it's it's fun like it's it is just it's a fun game in addition to everything else. Like it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It has a reputation of being a slog, but really, I mean, it's, if you keep it moving with the time control yeah, or something like you, yeah, you actually see that the positions start to spring to life really quick. Mm -hmm. It's not this slow turgid thing. I mean, uh, in the simultaneous move, I mean, it was like a knife fight. Like, yeah <laughs> um you two guys got stabbed like right at the beginning like and there was just violence right out of the gate yeah it's, it's exciting i, I, I just like, opened the door and got shot in the face <laughs> yeah it's martyrs yeah oh jesus christ um, not again it, yeah no it's it's it is it is legitimately exciting there's a lot of drama like as it starts to unfold yeah it, what really yeah. blows my mind is individuals that are saying that that you can solve chess and mm -hmm. that mindset completely eliminates this whole human experience that you're bringing out of this this game, the sport. Yeah, at this last tournament, a friend of mine said something that just he just really nailed it. He was running the tournament, and there was somebody there who was like, "Oh yeah, in three years, I'm going to be a, I'm I could, I could probably be a master." Mm. And that's just so. It's like you could, you really could. But you need to. You, everything else in your life needs to go. Right. Like if you're if you're gonna go from being a 1600 rated player to a national master, everything in your life needs to go. Um, you're gonna need money to go to all these tournaments. So we're just kind of laughing about it. And my buddy Steve said, "I just want to enjoy chess. I don't even. I just want to enjoy it while I can. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So true words. That's that's where I'm at. I'm in the I'm in the Zen school of chess. You know. <laughs> there we go. I just. I really, I do want to get better. I really do, but I also know that it, it, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to be the best. I have goals. You know, I try to have you know modest goals. Right. You know, I'd like to be state champ at some point, but I, you know, if not, you know, I got other shit to do. The people whose lives go crazy are the people who end up enacting their personality disorders on the board, or the people who don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a cave it's a cave for a lot of people they yeah. they do chess to avoid they they play chess to avoid uh living you know yeah in coburn speculates that all game playing is on some level an immortality quest interesting okay elaborate on that a little bit that's it's, it's a way to enter into a domain where the common uh terrestrial responsibilities go away i think is what he's getting towards huh yeah i mean i, I do think that and again i mean you get obsessed with it you know yeah i mean you guys you guys specialize in video games you guys know about of some some people just go so deep into like call of duty or something they don't i mean they just sit there and they they literally piss and shit themselves yeah playing yeah. sure so I mean, but it's a way to avoid life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've even like, 
I've had some. It can be, I should say. No, for sure. I mean, I think that that's like, there's like a definitely a beauty in that, but also some danger. Like I've, I have some stuff going on in my personal life and I haven't played a video game in like, I mean, I haven't seriously fallen in love with a video game in years, right? Like where I'm playing it obsessively and, and stuff, but that game Elden Ring came out not too long ago and I've been hooked and it, it is complete escapism. It's that like, I don't want to think about shit when I'm, you know, mm-hmm. and so instead I'm in another world and the rules are different and, you know, I can have more control and, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I could see how chess could become that for people. Yeah. They, yeah. They just kind of use it as a way to avoid, avoid things. And, you know, again, when, when they're, when their self is so wrapped up in it, yeah, I kind of, you know, they might get good, but I mean, well, I think they're like never going to be world champion. Right. What happens when you become champion of, of your state? Your life is still happening. Out right. So, when well, I think you know, it's like but, similar with video games, it's like if, if you can find a balance between like some form of escapism and some like meditation on like testing yourself and kind of stretching your imagination then you can like get more out of life through the game rather than just trying to escape your life inside of the game. That's a very, that is, that is uh, so well put. Cave like if you, if you have a balance, <laughs> you might be able to, it might benefit you in some way. Absolutely. Like I had to let go a lot of, I had to let go of a lot of tension when I first started playing, you know, and it revealed a lot about my, my priorities at the time, which, were uh, childish and immature priorities. And I think the kind of the whole point of our podcast is that something like a video game or like a chess game that you can like kind of manipulate your entire mind with and just like become fully immersed and escapist with can be used as a tool for something bad to bring it back around. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It can be used as a tool for something good. But, yeah, you know, which is again, like we it's... all love video games, but if we just love video games and weren't ever worried about it, we wouldn't be doing this podcast. Yeah, yeah. If, if it's bringing something bad out of you, it's not worth it. And you're and there's probably some other psychological element going on. If right. it's bringing something good out of you, some inspiration, or you know how far you can press your imagination, yeah. it's only well worth it. You know, I mean that's that's why that's why we play games. That's why games are cool. So yeah. Yep. Um. Well, before we wrap this up, we've, I mean, I know you've listened to some episodes of the show. You've probably picked up that Alex is not very movie literate, (laughs) not very film literate. Sure. And in addition to being, you know, conspiracy Twitter's chess guru, uh, I would would call you a, a pretty knowledgeable film guy. So what are some, if you had to give like, Three movies for Alex to watch, and Kate and I will make sure that he watches them. <laughs> yeah, they, so, they have the taser at the ready. I'm I'm not looking forward to this. You can't pick the Matrix. That's the only movie he's seen. <laughs> Forrest Gump's off the list. The entire time, the Matrix is the only movie I've seen. <laughs> uh, just taking the Zizak approach here. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I'm going to just go with some recent ones that I saw. And this is one I was actually I actually meant to bring up earlier. Oh, okay. it's called it's called Hands on a Hard Body. It's a documentary about a win a truck competition 
And the rules of the game are you just keep your hands on a truck for as long as you possibly can. Like on the wheel or? On the body of the truck. It's called As hit. long as your hands, all the contestants have to have their hands on the truck. Is the truck moving? Nope. So, okay, that sounds incredible. All right. One you get, you one get a five-minute break ten. every hour. You get a five-minute break every hour, <laughs> and you get a 15-minute break every six hours. Other than that, your hands, you must be touching the truck at all times. So it turns into this crazy, crazy battle of willpower through these regular people at this car dealership in Texas. You know? Huh. So that that one is awesome. It's short. It's 90 minutes. Uh, that's hands on a hard body. That's called hands on a hard body. Yes. That's what, that's what we get into every night after the podcast <laughs> recording. <laughs> yeah. That's the post game. <laughs> Okay, and let's see here. Give me a quick second. Let me. Uh... uh, you should watch. Um, you should watch uh, Blue Collar. Great choice. Blue Collar is a movie that's about blue collar workers. And no Jeff Foxworthy. (laughs) If you like movies, (laughs) if you wasted your life playing a game, you just might be a chess player. Um, But yeah, it's about it's about auto workers in the 70s and the various global and interpersonal antagonisms that prevent solidarity. It's um, is that's uh, fuck. What's his name? And there's a dildo fight with Harvey Keitel and Richard Pryor. Wow. They have a short, brief Amazing. dildo fight in the movie. So That's that okay. Instant right. ten out of ten. Have, wait, have you seen it? No. Oh, but it's just just from that alone. Yeah. <laughs> who direct? Who who's directed it? It's a. Uh, that was uh, Paul Schrader's first film. Schrader, right? Okay. I kept thinking Verhoeven. I couldn't, but yeah, it's yeah, it rocks. That's a great movie. Um, there's a a man gets painted to death. Too. It's one of the worst deaths that I have seen in it's, a fucking movie. Yeah, it's harrowing. It, Jesus yeah, Christ. it's it's horrible. <clears throat> okay, and the last one. I'm gonna try to give you something good here. Um swear to god, if you say a Serbian fellow, I'm just walking out to my car. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh I'm gonna go with shoot. Okay, I'm gonna give you two. Okay. Okay. Uh That's sorry, for... I know I went It's home. okay. That's all right. Uh the straight story. The straight story. Uh, David Lynch's Disney movie about a man who travels like 500 miles on a riding lawnmower to visit his dying brother. Huh. It's amazing. It's pure. It's it's very good. It's it's excellent. It's a wonderful film. And then one of my personal favorites, and this is one that I watch every year, uh, Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Yes. Oh. oh. Okay, oh, I haven't yeah. seen that one. All right. That, 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 sounds, <laughs> that sounds Cade certified. The Electric it's Gremlin? Excellent. Come on. Electricity oh. Gremlin? <laughs> yes. Oh fuck! Is that the one that's like a cult classic? And there's no like there's no Gremlins one. No, that's Troll. No, no, oh. there's a Grim, Gr- Gremlins one also kicks ass. Um, I have but, I have seen that one. Troll two. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you're, but, I think you're Gr- thinking Trolls. Uh, yeah, not not Trolls. <laughs> Troll two. Okay. Yeah, that's right. It's that yeah. one. But Gremlins two, uh, just go. I mean, it touches on so many weird things: corporatization, neoliberalism. You know, there's a character that's based on Donald Trump. Oh, <laughs> it, all, it all takes place. It all takes. Yeah. His predictive programming. 
It, it all yes, totally. It all <laughs> takes place in a skyscraper. It's oh it's, Jesus, that's that sounds awesome. Honestly, it's so good and it's hilarious. Yeah. All right, all right, so I'm writing these down because we are going to make Alex watch them. So we've got Hands yep. on a Hard Body, Blue Collar, The Straight Story, and and Gremlins 2, The Grem- New Batch. There we go. And last but not least, we have to give Chess a oh, swimming pool rating. Swimming pools <laughs> full of blood, yeah. How many swimming pools full of blood so would you rate? If, oh, wait, hang on. Let's, on. let's yeah, give – so, I don't know if you've – how much you know about this, but at the end of each episode, we give our game of the week a rating – one zero to five no. swimming pool or half, half of a swimming pool to five swimming pools full of blood to indicate generally it's like how um the impact that the game has had on like the broader culture so five swimming pools full of blood is bad mm-hmm. and half is you know it's it's an either good or, or neutral or, yeah. or, or, or yeah, harmless harmless yeah <laughs> so we do have to rate chess now. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with about 3.5 swimming pools of blood. If I can't do 0. 0.5, I'm going with three swimming pools. 0. 0.5 No, no, yeah. 0. 0.5 is fine. Yeah. You can 3. do whatever 5. the fuck you want. <laughs> yeah. You know, just... Uh, Irrational numbers are also okay. We just It needs to be above 0. 0.5. <laughs> Yeah. Like you know, maybe there was some shame that we that we never really could maintain dominance against the uh, uh, against the Soviets, and maybe we decided to bomb an extra village because of it or something. So, <laughs> Wouldn't like, surprise me. Yeah, yeah. That's Kissinger. Shocks. There we yeah. go. So, yep. yep. He, he apparently cared about that shit. So yeah. You know. Man, I can't wait for him to die. All right. Do do any of the three of us feel uh, capable of uh, giving it a rating? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, we should all rate it, even though we. That's yeah. part of the fair enough. The, yeah, the rating is that we don't always know what we're talking about. There um, we go. You I'm heard gonna it here, go. Folks. I'm gonna go with two swimming pools full of blood because I think that it definitely has the potential to make people go crazy and ruin their lives. But in general, I think having something like that in your life, something that's like very pure and very like like simple but also very much not simple is probably good for you it's kind of like rock climbing i feel like like where like for one you know you get in your head and you're fucked and two like at the end of the day it's just you versus the hold like you like there's 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 no more to it than just that exact simple thing and that for me is very clarifying you know if i'm feeling bad i go rock climbing i always feel better so i'm gonna give it two okay (laughs) okay uh i don't know yeah i mean i agree with all that i'd probably give it like a 2.5 for yeah like like john was saying like i don't know entering like the the dick measuring contest between the u.s and the soviet union yeah on top of everything else going on um but yeah i mean I would say in the same way, yeah, like you were saying with rock climbing, I don't know, just like having anything in your life like that that you can almost like have, this is like really cheesy and silly, but like have a have a model for some sort of like, you know, goal fulfillment and like affirmations you can tell yourself about like what you were able to accomplish. Like that's a, something good for anybody to have in their regular life. So I feel like it's something you could, you know, you get a lot out of anything like that. Um, which is, like I said, it's not, I don't know, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. I'm going to go four and a half. <laughs> All right. We got a wild card. All right. And my rationale with this is nothing we've covered on this podcast yet has killed anyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> chess does have a body count. And it seems like if you get up to a high enough level, it's just like, I don't know, staring directly at the Ark of the Covenant. And <laughs> there's a good chance it might melt your face in the process. So, yeah, I'm going to go four and a half on this one. All right. Lovely. Um, I was I was thinking about doing a bit where insisting that every guest we have on tell us all the conspiracy theories they do or don't believe in. John, do you want to do that or do you want to skip that? Because I would love to, I would love to like a quick hits like like a speed round. <laughs> we can skip I it. I just, skip. I just I don't know if I believe in any. I believe in history. You know. Okay. I mean, All right. You know, it's like I learn I learn about things and they seem like conspiracy theories, but but they're not. Here's here's my pet one. This one isn't very sexy, okay? All right, yeah. Let's, but it's let's get but, it. but but it's about how corporations and uh, the military suppress cinema in the United States. Okay. You know, All right. Yeah. And, and and how the movies can can actually shape and form, you know, uh, public opinion and response on things. So that one's like very light and tepid. There's no. You know that one's not uh, a very sexy one, but they they really do kind of huddle together. They get behind certain films, they bury other films, uh, and it is all commercialization. And it's also a tactic to make sure that there's propaganda coming out. Hundred a hundred percent. I will not be seeing Top Gun. So <laughs> there we go. Um, no, I th- I think, and that's one like that 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 is. Uh, Ske- uh, septic skeptic approved over here like that is uh yeah i i i'm probably the most uh not anti-conspiracy but probably the john you want to something the wild most normie one over yeah there. alex alex thinks that uh lee harvey oswald was a lone shooter yeah i i am proud of you that's very interesting to me because <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes i wonder like we needed a foil really crazy it's gonna be it's going to be nuts in 25 years when the CIA admits that that uh, he wasn't a lone shooter, okay, and that there and that there were other people involved, and that there actually was a conspiracy involving the CIA <laughs> and, and other and other actors, and everybody is going to be so fucking nuts that the lone shooter theory will become the new conspiracy theory. There we go. Uh... Uh, Alex is Alex is ahead of the curve on that yeah. one. Yeah. See, I'm I'm not against the conspiracy. I just don't think there was another shooter. Bleeding edge conspiracy theorist. I've always thought. I've always. Sometimes I do kind of wonder if the if the multiple shooter thing uh, is a bit of a red herring. Is but it, is it shit coding? You know, that's I've kind of thought about that, but I'm, I'm getting because nose again, over I think here. I think the larger. I think the larger structure is, is is more important of whether or not there was more than one shooter. There we yeah. go. Um, but you know, I always like to say that uh, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald did act alone, but so did the other two guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, but I mean that's a, that's a a good point. Like, and I, I was I was talking with someone about this the other day, but like, it's real easy to get bogged down into the the meticulous shit like you see that with rfk a lot i feel like where they're like all right 
where was Sirhan in the room? Where was the bodyguard? Like, it was what's how many feet from the door? Where were the bullets placed? You know, like, woman in the red dress. And, like, eventually it's, like, I mean, I'm not saying that stuff's not important. But eventually it's, like, you're kind of, like, the point is that, like, a presidential candidate was killed by the deep state. Like, that's, yeah, that's the point. That's distinction without a difference right there. Right. Yeah. Same with JFK, right? Like, you know, the the, the ballistics shit or whatever, it's, like. And I, I, I get I, I get like why people get really into those details because it is fascinating. And again, we all we all like like rabbit holes and whatnot. Oh, sure. yeah. <laughs> but I just I just reached a point with so much of that stuff where. I, I know that I'm not going to solve it. Yeah. I know I'm not. You know, I know I kind of feel like there's so many things that are outside of our control. I kind of feel like politics has slowly been taken away from people over the last 40 years. Oh, hundred percent. You know? Um, so I try not to, I try not to lean too hard into it. It just, for some reason, I just am not bothered by it. I mean, I find a lot of things to be morally uh, really fucked, you know, (laughs) really, really fucked. But I also know that I can't really control any of it. So I try not to obsess too much about trying to find the objective truth about murky historical events that that may have been made murky on purpose. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but Jim Morrison's dad is 100% responsible for Vietnam. Oh, so, yeah. Amen. Yeah. Brother. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Maybe I'll make that the title of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Completely unrelated to anything we talked about, but just, yeah. Um, well, cool, man. Um, before we call it a day, um, is there anything you want to plug your Twitter handle, anything else? Well, I'm at, uh, at good luck, John boy, uh, on Twitter. Um, and if you want to play me in chess on leechess.org, I'm at junkyard underscore algebra. So we could play blitz correspondence games, anything like that. More than happy to play. So hell yeah. And John, John is a, a very funny and insightful dude on Twitter, so I definitely um, – I mean, I, I was telling somebody you're one of my favorite accounts, and it's true. So, um, Thank you. Yeah. It. Yeah, smart, dude. So give him a follow. Play him in chess. I might, you can play me in chess, too. I'm not good, but, um, yeah. You improved since the first since we first started playing, just through, just through the brief little encounters. I mean, I got you to start putting your pawns in the center of the board and actually getting your pieces off the back rank. You can get better. That's true. I feel like the way you just said that sounds like how I talk to my kids. Like, oh, look at that. Like, you know, you took a couple steps, buddy. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, see, what I was doing, I'm, I'm playing the long game here. So the next time I play you, it looks like there's some improvement. I, I did that intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot to tell you that I charge one hundred dollars per game I play. Oh, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys. I'll give you guys my Venmo. Okay, I'll give so, you. I'll give you Cade's that's card. That's why he did that Tony social. Soprano impression too. That's like that's the voice he's getting when he comes <laughs> yeah, to break yeah. our kneecaps. <laughs> yeah. Um. All, all right, right, y'all. Well, yeah. um, let's. Uh, we can say good night. <laughs> yep. Thank you for coming on the show. Brother. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so um, much. Yeah. Absolutely. It was a pleasure speaking with fun. you. Yep. Um, learned a lot yeah, yeah i will this is definitely the most educational, educational yeah. episode by far um yeah no, normally we end these nights when i feel like i've i don't know how to stroke um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so 
Cool, man. All well, right. um, I mean, I'll talk to you soon for sure. All right. Well, cheers, fellas. Drop right. me a line anytime. All right. All right Thank brother. you. Thanks, Thanks for coming God. by. Yep. Bye. 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 That was uh, that was awesome. Yeah. yeah. That was that a was lot. That, that was yeah. Yeah. I didn't think I was gonna be made smarter. Yeah, me yeah. neither. Not when I never when I come here. No. <laughs> Not never. Um cool. So uh I I was thinking about doing a bit. I wasn't gonna tell you guys, but I was gonna <laughs> explain every joke that anyone made good <laughs> like in like really granular detail Th- thank you for not doing that yeah the john john was i was like uh i, I like this guy i don't want to yeah no i don't want to save it for when we get jordan shit. peterson on the pod oh god willing did you bring a bass what do you mean did i bring Your my acoustic bass? bass like now yes no fuck i'm sorry it's all right it yeah I want to oh, the music. we do need. I to also don't know, really know the song yet. I forgot yeah, about it. We, we do need to record the ad, so we need to. Oh yeah. We need to come up with the ad. Do we have an ad right now? We, we have an ad. Yeah, read. we do.